Let's pray. God, now, as we uh, come to a time of study, a time of learning, a time of uh, meditating, a time of reflecting on the things that you've laid on the heart of James so that your church in this day might understand and grow to be wise uh, and to, to do. Uh, Lord, uh, open our eyes so that we can see, open our hearts so that um, we, can, we can feel and uh, use our hands and use our feet uh, to do your work. Uh, I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I, I don't know about you. I know for myself, I've had some people in my life that were truly wise. Um, we might say they were smart people, intelligent. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, the, the, the really smart people who do really well in the SAT score and the ACT, they get all the, the grades, uh, the A's, and, and they do really well on, on their exams. They, they never have to study. They just, they just show up, take the test, they, they, they wrap it up. They, they know they're that type of individual. They're, they're smart. They're, they're intelligent. I, I, uh, our kids would often ask, what was it like growing up in school, Dad? Um, well, let me tell you what it was like growing up in school. I mean, today, they're a little, little different, but it's somewhat the same. But uh, I remember, I remember uh, our teachers would assign us groups, study groups, that we would uh, be a part of. Does anyone remember study groups that you were a part of? Um, sometimes the study groups were, were really good. Sometimes they were not so good. Well, I, I, I have some deep scars from those study groups. Can, can I just share them with you today? I, it took me a while because I wasn't really intelligent. I wasn't really wise in, in the way I understood things. And, 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 and as I got a little older, I figured out, wow, you know what? Uh, this just wasn't really fair, okay? So, so the, teacher, the teacher, especially in grade school, would, would assign um, groups by, by animal names. How many remember that? Uh, I sure do. I, I was assigned not in the eagle group or the blue jay group. I was assigned in the turtle group. Always. I, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was always in the turtle group. And the teacher would say, okay, Joel, you're with the turtles. Now, I, I didn't think much of it when I was eight and nine. But, but when I got older, I realized that was the slow group. I, I don't want to be in the slow group. That, that's the group that, that's not... I mean, can I say, that's the, that's the group's kind of dumb. I mean, and I don't want to be in the dumb group. I want to be with the smart, wise, the people who understand the material because I want to get my A, don't you? Don't you want to get your A? I mean, that's what I thought. What a, now, I grew up. I grew up and uh, uh, I realized, wow, as a teacher, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I shouldn't sign people by animals because that really actually defines who they are. Now, James, in this book is not talking about smarts, though he's getting to that idea of understanding, intelligence, uh, and he's talking about this importance, uh, this important descriptor of wisdom, and, and really he, what he's trying to do is show you the comparison between two realms. Namely, one can be wise in this world because there are really wise people. I mean, Warren Buffett is the famous ec economic a genius of our day, and if you, if you want to invest in a company or you want to invest your money, 
You're going to go to the expert. You're going to go to the person who's really wise in, in their understanding of their trade, right? You're not going to go to the McDonald's worker. Maybe you would. I don't know. But you wouldn't. You would go to Warren Buffett and say, okay, I have $1,000 here. I want to invest. Tell me how to invest my $1,000, right? That's what you're going to do. Because you're going to the wise, the person who understands, the person who has the experience. And so James is getting us to be encouraged by here. So I, I don't want you to be in the turtle group today. I, I really want you to be in God's group. I, I want you not to be in the slow group. I, I want to see progress. This is what James is after. He wants to see progress. I, I want you to soar like an eagle today and realize that your wisdom, your wisdom that you have right now, that, that it should show some, some fruit. It should show some gain. And every day there's growth in that wisdom that comes from God above. So that's what James does here in chapter 3. He says, who is the wise and understanding among you? That's the question. It's a great question for us to even examine here in the few moments that we have. Who is the wise and understanding? Now there are some today who might say, I don't have wisdom. I don't have understanding. Well, you're going to get some wisdom today. You're going to get some understanding. And it's going to come right from God's word. And I don't have to push it. God's word is right here. It's, it's plain. It's simple for you and I to practice and, and do. And so that's, so many of my points today are, are just coming right from the text. I, I'm not trying to, to change them up. They're just, they flow right from the text. And you can just treat them as what James is saying. So the first thing I like to look at uh, with you in these uh, verses is that false wisdom, false wisdom is described as earthly and demonic. So this is what he says. He's going to show you what heavenly wisdom is, what godly wisdom is, and then he's going to show you the contrast. And he's, So he starts with the negative. Don't you like when authors start with the negative? And then we're going to leave with the positive today. That's good. That's a good place to, to um, send us off as we leave um, church. So false wisdom, the negative. False wisdom is described as earthly and demonic. That's what he says in verse um, uh, 14 and 15. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts and do not boast and be false to the truth, this wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, so what is he saying here in regards to gaining earthly wisdom? He says, listen, you know, God is the one that grants you divine wisdom from above. He's the one that, that opens your eyes to see the truth of the gospel. Aren't you thankful for that? That God opens your eyes to see. So you, you, you're able to see. He, he went to Peter and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the son of God. He said, blessed are you, Simon Berjona, because man did not reveal this to you, but it was my who? It was my heavenly father that opened your eyes to make you wise and understanding of who I am. So what James does here is he wants to show you what is the difference between heavenly wisdom or godly wisdom and then what is then earthly wisdom and false wisdom. And he says false wisdom is ultimately earthly and demonic. 
So what does false wisdom look like from an earthly perspective? Well, you know, you, you can look in your newspaper if you still do, right? If you could turn on the, the, the news reports and watch TV, you can look at internet today, and the news tells us what earthly wisdom looks like. Chicago here today, we see people committing crimes and murders. That's earthly wisdom. And so when we respond to others in, in bitterness and in jealousy, that's earthly wisdom as James is describing. And, and really, it's earthly wisdom when we behave inappropriately. So he says, let him show by his good behavior or his good deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So he's getting after what this heavenly wisdom is and how it's contrasted with earthly wisdom that is earthly and also demonic. So wisdom is defined here. You should mark this somehow in your Bible. This is how it's defined. It's defined either as earthly or uh, demonic. And, you know, um, in the King James Version, if you have it, um, it's often talked about when your good deeds or your good conversation. Uh, the uh, New American Standard talks about the good behavior that you uh, act out or you display on an ongoing basis. So he says, by his good conduct, so he's talking to the, the uh, James is talking to the audience here, by his good conduct, let him show his works. You're like, well, I thought we were not to do good works. I mean, people say, you know, I'm saved by, by faith, faith alone, grace alone. Those are all, all true. But one of the fruits, one of the displays of your Christian conduct, to know that you are a Christian, is the way you display your good works, the way you serve. And so the Holy Spirit produces that in your life. So he says, I want to show you what earthly wisdom is. Earthly wisdom is earthly. It, it flows from from our flesh. It flows from our, our, our own discernment. It doesn't come from God. It's demonic. It's, it's a worldview. But godly wisdom that flows from God himself is worked out in your life through the things or the actions that you do um, every day, every week. So he says then, it's coming down from God. Remember in chapter 1 and verse 17, he um, talks about who God is. In verse 17, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is, coming, um, is, is a gift from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Again, so he picks up this same thought. He says, listen, if you really want to be smart, more than smart, if you want to gain understanding, more understanding, if you really want to be wise in the Lord, know that true and godly wisdom comes from God himself, who is the giver of all good gifts. And so he says, and he moves on, he says, but then you, if you have bitterness, jealousy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, he says, do not boast and be false to the truth. So he gives us what the fruit of false wisdom looks like. He describes what this fruit looks like if you are gaining false wisdom in your life. He says, number one, the fruit of false wisdom is that it creates bitterness rather than dependency on the Lord. It creates bitterness in your heart like an Esau who became bitter after Jacob took 
his birthright. He became bitter in heart when he realized that there was no chance for repentance in his life. And so he sought after it. He sought after the birthright with all his power, but God did not give it to him. He became bitter in heart. And, and so the author of Hebrews, as, as we re- would read it, says, get rid of all bitterness out of your life because it will well up and it will destroy you. Bitter jealousy. And so crime is developed. Murder is, is enacted upon in our communities. People die because, because I'm jealous and I, I grow bitter in heart and I want and I can't have. And so I hate and I fight. It creates bitterness rather than dependency on the Lord. If I don't have, if I don't have, James says I'm to what? I'm to ask God. If I don't have wisdom, I'm to ask God, chapter 1, right? Remember that, chapter 1? He says, if you are going through all these various trials, which are many, I'm to ask God, who gives what? Who gives wisdom from above, as I go through these trials, how I might respond, how I might go through the day. Uh, Let's go there. Chapter 1, he says... If anyone lacks, verse 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him what? Let him ask God. I love this because it's a promise of God. Who gives how? Who gives generously to all without reproach. He doesn't find fault if you say, Lord, I, I don't know how. I, don't, I, have, I, have, I have many decisions before me right now. Right? I have many decisions that I have to, I have to decide right now. And maybe you got a couple weeks to decide these decisions and you're not sure. You're not sure, well, if I take option one, option two, option three, option four, and maybe I got six options. You're like, I don't even know where to start. So God gives us some hope and he says, okay, this is what you do. Seek out godly wisdom from who? From other people that you have also know that by their walk and by their experience, they can say, well, you know, I'm going to go to so-and-so because... They've gone through this before in their life. It might not be the exact same thing, but it's, it's relatively similar. And so you go to them, and they say, well, you know, th- Joel, this is how I responded when, when faced with these different options. This is what I did. And so they, they, they give you some encouragement. They give you some exhortation and, and some um, even admonishment. You know, if you do this, there's some ramifications. There's some things you can need to think about. There are decisions you make. You're like, oh, okay. And so you, you go to multiple people to find godly wisdom that comes from heaven to be able to fight the bitterness that might well up sooner or later in your life. See, the, the fruit of false, witness, uh, false wisdom is bitterness of heart rather than depending on the Lord. You're not depending on the person giving you wise words, but you're depending on the wise words that flow from heaven to the heart of that individual that you're seeking counsel from. And it's okay to seek counsel from brothers and sisters in Christ who are walking in maturity and walking with the Lord. We're told in Scripture overwhelmingly to do that on many, many, many occasions. Seek after people who have wisdom. For wisdom... In Proverbs tells us that wisdom 
shouts out into the streets, tells people how to respond. It, it, it calls people to, to respond to the Lord. That's what wisdom does. And that's what you want. You, you, don't want, you don't want the false wisdom that is earthly and demonic and has the root of bitterness in your heart. Number two, we learned that the fruit of false wisdom is that it develops selfishness rather than humility. And that's what he says. He uses this, these very words, verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, that's not true godly wisdom that comes from above. That's not heavenly wisdom. Selfishness is, is you, you want to gain something that someone else has and you seek after with all your might, with all intensity, and, and you gratify that desire. That's selfishness. That's taking that which is not yours, wanting it, doing whatever it takes to get to the place that you want to be. It's not just possession. It could be a, uh, a desire that you so long for. It could be a position that you want. It's, it's multiple um, places where selfish ambition wars at our heart. And James says, you don't want that. And a matter of fact, if you have that in your heart, that's earthly wisdom that comes from here. That's demonic wisdom. That's satanic attack. That's, that's the belief of, of, of demons. That's allowing earthly and demonic forces to take control of your mind. You don't want that. Get rid of it, he says. Selfishness or selfish ambition describes what this wisdom is for the people that James is writing to. No, no. when you lack wisdom, James chapter 1 says, you're to what? Ask God who gives generously. He freely gives it out. Lord, tomorrow's a new day. Now as a believer in Christ, I can go to him and say, Lord, I don't know what decision I'm going to make in regards to what I'm doing maybe at my place of work, how I'm going to respond. And God says, I want you to be dependent on me in humility. Seek humility. Seek to be humble. You don't want God to humble you because of your proud heart. Because when he humbles you, <laughs> that's a difficult place to be in. Rather, you want to take the place of a humble servant. Right now, you say, Lord, I'm your humble servant. Please use me. Because when God puts pressure on you to humble you, that's why Peter says God opposes the what? God opposes the proud. But what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. So if I have the fruit of false wisdom, it's probably because I've allowed selfishness in my heart to war, to reign, to have its first place, rather than humility. Rather than, as Jesus in John 13 describes for us as taking up the basin and towel ministry and begins to wash the disciples' feet. That's the type of Godly wisdom that comes from heaven down to me and to you as I seek to serve those who are 
in need. Remember that James is writing to all sorts and kinds of people. Remember this? He's, he's writing to the ones who are facing trials of, of, of many kind. He's writing, maybe that's you today, maybe you fit that category. You're, you're facing all sorts of trials of many kind. Maybe you're, in chapter 1, the one facing the uncertainty about tomorrow. And so he says, listen, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Pray, ask God. Don't be like the wave of the sea that's being tossed to and fro. Trust me. Ask for divine wisdom from above. Maybe you're the one who has anger in your heart and you're allowing anger to, to reign and, and you're not keeping a close rein and, and you're, you're not watching your tongue. You're letting your tongue just fly off the handle. You, you, you easily get anger. You easily get, get mad and frustrated and you, you attack. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you are not a doer of the word, but you allow your actions to take the center place. Maybe you're the, the widow. Maybe you're the widow who has gone through times of affliction and you've lost your spouse. Maybe you're the orphan who has no parents and you're here and that's your story. And James is writing to you in the moment of your affliction, trust me, call out to me, and I will give you godly wisdom that comes from above. I think Moose then describes in chapter 3 what then, number 3 is, displays, he says, the fruit of false witness displays just outright arrogance rather than mercy. That's what he says here, selfish and ambition in your hearts and, and notice what he does in verse 13 he says in the meekness of of wisdom uh, the, in meekness of wisdom do not then he says in verse 14 do not boast wow yeah, you know anyone who boasts who brags i mean yeah, yeah, i mean some of us we, we, we you know we're good at sports and we brag about that because we won well i'm one man i you know i you know i i I hit three for three if I'm a baseball player. I got on base three times. I'm the leading scorer of my team. For you young people who are in sports, maybe you like to be arrogant about that. You just have that flair about you. You walk with that flair, you know? And I'm talking about the wrestler flair, Ric Flair. He, he had that, just kind of like that pizzazz. Everyone, you know, that staunch feeling. This is arrogance rather than, this is the, the Samson complex, Samson was a judge in, in Judges. You, you remember the story. Samson did whatever he wanted, even as a judge, for Israel. And he told his parents, I, I want that woman down there. Go get it for me. And the parents said, no, you're a judge of Israel. You're to obey God. And he didn't care. We spent some time on Samson's life several months ago. And God judged Samson accordingly. But there was an arrogance about him. Don't have Samson's arrogance. Fight for it. And he says the way you fight for it is through mercy. People get mercy and grace mixed up. Do you know the difference between mercy and grace? My students all the time get it mixed up. 
I mean, and they're in theology classes. They should know. That should be the test to, to, for them to graduate. But they get, it, they get it messed up all the time because what will happen is at the end of a course or at the end of the week or whenever that assessment or assignment is due, they'll, they'll email you. They will email you and say, oh, oh, oh prof- professor, oh, 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 my, my computer, my computer froze and it died and I lost all, oh, I lost it all. Okay. Yeah. Give me grace. Really? <laughs> you know what you're asking for? Professor, I just want grace. I, 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 and they get all hyperventilated. I, I, just, I just need what? I just need grace. No, 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 no. You're not asking for grace because grace comes from the heart of God. Grace is unmerited. We didn't deserve it. God's gift to us. What what you're really asking is for what? You know it. Mercy. Mercy is the withholding of God's righteous punishment that you and I deserve. It, It is withholding of his wrath. So, so Joel's wrath toward the student is what? You will get an F. Oh, I like giving Fs. Don't you? Some of you are teachers. Some of you, I like getting Fs. Makes you feel good. I just finished some grades this last week here. I'm about ready to post them to the registrar's office. I'm getting excited. But I, I extended mercy to a few of them. Sent out an email. Would you like some mercy applied to you today? Monday, grades are being posted. Email comes back. Thank you for the grace, professor. Now, that's a Moody Bible Institute student. No, 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 no. Let's get, let's get it theologically right here. You're, you're, you're thankful for the mercy that I'm extending to you. And hopefully you're not doing it out of what? Arrogance. And hopefully, as a teacher, I have to really check my heart because I, I don't want to do it out of arrogance. So I, when I give mercy, I'm giving it because God has given me mercy. And if, if I was in the situation that they were facing, I would hope that the person who is ministering to me would also extend righteous mercy from the hand of God. That's what I'm asking for. And sometimes we're wanting what? We're wanting to be all that. We want to show people that we're all that. And God says, no, I just want you to show mercy like I did. Extend mercy. Number four, he gives you, this is what earth, uh, earthly or demonic wisdom, the fruit of false wisdom looks like. He says, it allows for disorder rather than peace. This is where he says it's demonic. It comes from, it comes from the earth. It's earthly wisdom. This wisdom, verse 15, comes down... Um, comes down from above, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Those are very, very forceful words that James is using because he wants, us, he wants to awaken our affections not only to uh, who God is, but what is right, what is true biblical, biblical wisdom that comes from God. Other, other uh, New Testament or translation talks about disorder or confusion, talks about what these patterns are. They're, they're patterns after the devil. They're activities of the devil. They're, they're thinking patterns that follow falsehood. 
And this is why in, in Ephesians, Paul talks about get rid of falsehood out of your conversation. That's not heavenly, godly wisdom from above. Are you ever in conversation with people where, where you start talking about other people's sins? You know, so-and-so is doing this, so-and-so messed up today. Put away what? Put away falsehood. Don't talk about those things. Think about what do you need to do in your life to make some changes. And the minute you move from, from talking falsely about others, you move into the realm of spiritual growth, realizing that all wisdom that is coming now down from the perfect Father of lights, when there is no what? There's no shifting or shadow due to change. This divine Father who gives you also divine understanding is God, giving it to you and me, his servants. So number two, on your outline, your, in your handout that you have in your bulletin, um, he then defines for us what then is true godly wisdom. It's, it's not the turtle group I want to be in. I, I, seriously, I, I don't want to be in a turtle group today. I want to be in, in God's group where, where, where divine wisdom is, is given because I'm, I'm asking it for it. Lord, I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm, I'm against the door right now, and you might have placed me there because you're testing me, you're testing my faith, you're, you're trying to, to move me toward self-assurance, toward assurance of faith and hope in you. Lord, I, I want your wisdom. When, when I go into a difficult meeting Monday morning, and, and I know there are a couple people I, I just I don't get along with, their, their personalities rub me the wrong way. And, and if my flesh would get a hold of me. It, 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 it could, couldn't it? But if the restrainer would not convict me in those moments of intense, man, I just want to lash out and pop them a couple times because they rub you the wrong way. See, that's godly wisdom that comes from where? From above. Lord, this guy just irks me. I need your help. That's godly wisdom. So this is what he says in verses 13. He picks it up. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So he's saying, okay, believer in Jesus Christ, you're asking for divine wisdom. God says in chapter one, you're going to get it. He's going to give it liberally. He's going to give it generously to you. you. You lack wisdom? Pray. Ask God. He'll give it to you. Okay. But now he describes it, when he gives it to you, do it in meekness, right? Receive it with, receive it with humility of heart, not with selfish ambition, okay? Don't, don't move from, from stability in the Lord to chaos and disorder that we just talked about. It, it moves from from disorder, then from peace, and, and, and the natural man is, is, is out of order, but the, the Christian, the, the person who has the spirit is under control, and this is what he's defining as true godly wisdom. He says, true godly wisdom then is pure. He says, he says for, for where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Chaos. 
True peace is from who? True peace is from God. This is why he says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is, is what is it? Is, is pure. We used to have a, uh, a Brita, Brita filter pitcher. How many have that in their home? I wish we still have it. It drove me nuts. You know why? Because you, it would take forever for the water to just filter in that little filter. I mean, it just take forever. And you're like, and we're out of water. We, we, and, and then you just sit there. Beep, beep, beep. Forget that. I'm going back to the spigot. Drink the toxins. Take all the lead. Do all what I need to do. That's why I have 11 toes. Or 12 toes, I don't know, maybe you have more, I don't know. But, but I'm just going to do it, right? But you think about it, the idea here, pure, that wisdom from God is what? It's pure, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no shifting or shadow due to change. God, giving it to you, it's pure. The, the water going through the Brita filter, and that's what God's wisdom is doing in your life. Everything, all the chaos, all the disorder, all the vile practices that James discusses here. And I don't have to get gory. You know what they are. They're evil. They're murders. There's mistrust in relationships. God, in his purity, gives you wisdom. And all this godly wisdom is the Brita filter and as you pour water in it, it's filtering all the contaminants out of your life. You should say, praise God. Praise God that you have the Spirit who resides in you, who resides in me, and he's the Brita filter. And when I go through life, and you're going to go through life, and you're going to go through this week, and you're going to do this, up and down, you're going to make some, you're going to say some things that were wrong, and and, and the Holy Spirit begins to, to prod your heart. He begins to, to prick at that heart and cause conviction. And you realize, well, I shouldn't have said that. That's godly wisdom coming out, flowing out of your heart. So this is what he says. He gives us seven ways, seven really practical ways to think about what truly is then godly wisdom. He gives you seven adjectives here out of the text, seven adjectives to describe what, what God's pure wisdom that comes from heaven looks like. So these are descriptors for you and I. These are, these are ways that you and I can practice. And some of you might be, you know, not doing so well on one of these, okay? So if, if there's one area, put an asterisk next to it and say, this is what I got to work on this week. These are, and there might be many maybe, <laughs> maybe you're, you're scoring like three out of six or seven. You're like, ah, oh, Look, you don't, don't get discouraged. Put these things into action. This is what James is saying. He says, by your good action, this is how we know you're gaining fruit and growing in your walk with the Lord. The first one, wisdom, then, which is a description of purity, the purity of our Lord, is peaceable. Peace. Peace in your life. Peace uh, when the storm hits. Peace not only, and, and I really, what he, I believe here he was getting after is peace in relationships. That, that godly wisdom will come down from above in your relationships, in the people that you work with, in, in your marriage life, in your raising up of children, and in life. 
you would have peace. And God would be the barometer of that peace. Peace in our relationship. Peace when we are talking to others. And this is why in Romans chapter 12, it says, as far as it depends on you, you live where? You live at peace with one another. You do whatever it takes to make peace with other people. Do whatever it takes. Sometimes it's, it's getting accused and, and not fighting back. You're like, well, I want to fight. That's my personality, Joel. I want to fight. But God's saying, take the hit for me. Take the accusation for me because I have a host of other people behind you who will stand behind you and say, he's not that type of person. Take the hit. I know it hurts, but you live at peace. You take the higher road, and I'm not talking about Hinduism here. I'm talking about aim, aim for where Christ is seated. You, and we're told we're going to be reigning with Christ where he is seated. So take the place that Christ, and when he was accused, he did not what? He did not return in accusation when he was being abused and hurt by the Romans and the Jews. He remained quiet. And I think that's the barometer of peace that the scriptures show us that you and I need to. So you're to pursue it with all your heart's passion and desire. He goes and he gives us a, a second consideration here that we should look at what wisdom is. It's, it's considerate. Wisdom, your translation might say gentleness. That's another way of saying that your, your attitude needs to be one of gentleness. And, and as, a ba- as, a, as a mother holds a baby, or even a father, you're, you, you hold the, the little one with gentleness of heart. You're very careful. I mean, you don't fling the child around, do you? I mean, I mean mothers are really good. At they, they, they make sure that, especially with kids are going to hold the baby, what do they do? They lift up the head. Okay, don't, don't, don't. They're always going like, like this, making sure that you, you, hold, the, you hold the child with, with, with gentleness. In the New Testament, gentleness is a very difficult word to even translate. What does it mean to be gentle? And translators have gone back and forth in their description. And the best way I can describe gentleness is that, is that you're, you're holding a, an infant in your arms and you're careful with its every move. Is that, is that the way you work with, with people? Is that the way you respond? So that, that's heavenly, godly wisdom that comes down from above. And it should be distinguished between what is earthly and demonic wisdom is all the vile practices and evil things that you and I could. Let me give you a third one. A third one, and this is verse 17, is that true godly biblical wisdom is that the individual is open to reason. Now, this is a hard one. This, I would say this is my asterisk right here. Because I can, and I'm very passionate. I just tend to, I, 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 you know, I, I've made my mind up. This is the best way to describe it for you and I. You've made your mind up. So when you go into a meeting, you've made your mind up. You don't, you, you're not going to be easily persuaded. You have decided right now what you're going to do. Maybe you are like that be, between husbands and wives. You know exactly what we're eating right after the worship service. I can't change your mind. I can't change your mind. You've made up your mind right now. 
Some of you are planning your family vacation. Now, I didn't get to choose. I didn't get to choose. You just got to go with the flow, right? You just got to go do it. But, but if, if I had a choice, right, I would say I'm open to reason, but the other person is not, right? Right? So, so here, here's the asterisk for, for me or for others. Is th- this is what we need to practice what James says here. In your relationships, and maybe you're a leader here today, and maybe you work here in one of our church ministries, and you have a meeting coming up, and you have an idea, and your idea is really fixed in your mind. You know, you know exactly what you want, but then when you get there, other people have other opinions. You're like, I, I, want, I want the chair to be blue. Right? That's what I want. I had it all in my mind that that chair was going to be blue. I don't know who chose the pink color, but, but maybe they were open to reason. If I came along and said, I want it red, and I'm on the color committee, I want it red. Many good churches have split, they tell us, over colors and carpets and pianos being on the stage and off the stage. And we don't have carpet right now on the stage. Oh, dear. Well, 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 are we open to what? Are we open to reason? When we're interacting with with others. And so James puts in James chapter 1, he says, be quick to what? Be quick to to listen. Be open to reason, willing to hear from the other side, their point of view. This is what you need to do when you are in a meeting. You need to suspend judgment. Suspend judgment. Basically, be willing to yield to what the other person has to say. He gives you a fourth one. Wisdom is full of mercy. I've already talked about this. That Mercy is withholding what? Mercy is withholding righteous wrath. And it might be even when someone has sinned. It doesn't mean you don't take care of the sin. It doesn't mean you don't go to that individual and and encourage them to repent and, and tell them that this was wrong. But this is withholding the just punishment that you and I deserve like our Heavenly Father. That's true godly wisdom. And so you sing with the hymn writer when he says, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden found liberty. Where? At Calvary. Mercy was great. That's what I received. And grace all in the same time. It's beautiful as we think about it, as we display it. Number five, he says, wisdom is ultimately producing the good fruit that God says he intends to do in your life. All the good things that we do, the the gifts of help, the the aiding of people who are in distress, the, 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 the encouragement or the encouraging word to a brother or sister who's feeling down, these are all actionable fruits that you and I get to display on an ongoing routine throughout a given week. Encouraging email, a helpful phone call, a listening ear, signing up and, and, and finding ways to, to be involved in the life of, of God's work here at Village is all actionable ways to show that you are gaining godly wisdom from above and you're putting it into action. And then he moves, number six, through this verse, and he talks about it, not only to open a reason full of mercy and good fruits, but he gives you a, a sixth one. He says, wisdom that comes from above is impartial. 
It's, it's unwavering is another way of looking at that term. It's clear-headed. You remember about being open to reason? This kind of carries the same thing. When you are in conversation, you are impartial. You, you don't, you're not quick to judge. You see all sides as, as being equal until you understand and, and know exactly what both are saying. You, you remain confident in distressing moments or in times of conflict. You are stable in your personality and in, your, in the display of your life. That's godly wisdom. And I know some really good people when, when there's a storm and there's distress and, and it seems like everything is just out of control. Man, you want those people near you. They, they, you don't want an Eeyore in your life. You don't. You don't want a piglet on your church committee. Seriously, you don't. But you want a person who's what? Who's stable and confident, able to look at both situations, not only with a clear head and open-mindedness on on both ends, to see all, but stable. And then ultimately, he moves to the last one. He says, I want your wisdom to be sincere. And he says what sincere is. He says good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sincere simply means that you're without hypocrisy or another common way of describing it is you're, you're not fake. You're, you're not, you're not the, the false substance that you put in your coffee this morning, even though it's good. I mean, it's, it's not organic. I'm sorry, but I, I enjoy it. Makes my coffee a little bit better. It wakes me up, but, but I just... Pour it in, and I know the toxins are in there. It's, 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 if you're a hypocrite, it means you're fake. And, and James says, true godly wisdom that comes from God himself is without fakeness. It's real. It's real. You can bank on that. And then lastly, he lives us with verse 18, kind of as a, as a wrap-up of his thoughts on, on what this godly wisdom looks like, he says is this, true godly wisdom is measured by sowing and reaping in peace. You and I are, are sowing seeds into the field, wisdom, and we're doing that through relationships, through our own lives. We're, we're pouring these seeds into people in different opportunities, whether it's through small group, whether it's through our interchange after church this morning, we are depositing peace, godly peace into their life. And so a peacemaker says, he says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make for peace. And he says, a peacemaker sowing reaping looks like this, that you would ultimately sow seeds of peace, not into your life, but into the life of others. You're careful about the Facebook posts that you're going to do today. You're concerned about that. You really are. You're concerned about the the characters that you use on Twitter because you're mad and disgusted because a a peacemaker, he says, a peacemaker is one who seeks from, from God above in their relationships to make peace with others. You're sowing seeds into people's lives. You're planting seeds into people. And so you're careful what you post on social media because others are watching. You're sowing seeds of, of wisdom 
into people's life. That's what godly wisdom is. You're, you're sowing seeds of, of wisdom into their life because you're wanting them to, to know who God is. And, and so that might be a word of scripture today. That might be a, a word of testimony that, that this is what God has done in my life, not as a way to boast or brag about it, but to encourage them that, that when they lack wisdom, they can find peace in their life. So refrain from it. Be careful. Be careful what you do as you have conversation with others. And then he says, when you do this, when you sow seeds of, of peacemaking efforts in your relationship because you're asking God to fill you and occupy your mind and in your conversation, this godly wisdom that comes from above, you sow seeds of good works. That's what he says here. The harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace to raise up a harvest of godly wisdom that you and I need because we lack it so many days. We need God, God's help to do this. You know, friends, when I lack wisdom, I do. There's a, a prayer that I often pray, and I know I, I've posted it on Facebook but it has been so meaningful for me, and I give it to you as our benediction. Um, so it, shall we stand as we close? So seeds of good works, so seeds of peace and wisdom in the people's life. But th- this is what the Serum Primer says, 1558. God, be in my head and in my understanding God, be in my eyes and in my looking. God, be in my mouth and in my speaking. God, be in my heart and in my thinking. God, be in my end and in my departing. May God grant you wisdom from above as you leave today. Amen.